all of life. Awesome. So today we have Michelle from Hope Community Church with us on the Playlister podcast. And uh, we're going to be kind of delving into uh, Michelle's insights as a ministry leader and her advice for uh, other churches and moving the church forward as a whole. So I'm super excited to have you on today, Michelle. Could you uh, tell us a bit about your background and how you got called into ministry and found your role at Hope Community Church? Yeah, well, thanks again for having me. It's like such a pleasure. Uh, so I, like you said, am on staff at Hope Community Church. My title, uh, which one of the jokes we have at Hope is that nothing is constant. So my title has changed quite a bit. <laughs> but awesome. my current title is that I am the Kid City Content Specialist. So I write the curriculum for birth through fifth grade. And I got started in ministry actually through volunteering. Um, I started serving in my local church's Kid City or like children's ministry. And I discovered that wow, I actually really enjoy this and I uh, thought maybe I would go into teaching. I actually went down that route, went through and got my elementary education degree and decided, you know, I love teaching and I love kids, but I don't really think this is it. And so I ended up just through a series of things, uh, ended up working for the church and um, yeah, that's basically it. Well, that is exciting and glad to hear it was kind of like a natural fit from the get-go and pulling on that thread a bit, you know, getting an elementary education degree and starting in like the K-12 environment. Uh, what were some big differences between a teaching in a K-12 environment as opposed to church and what kind of signaled to you, hey, I'd rather uh, work in the church environment instead of the school environment? Uh, yeah, so great question. Uh, I actually didn't get to, I went through the degree and did the internships and all of that. And it wasn't until I hit that first internship. Um, I came up through Florida, so it's a little bit different. We're in North Carolina here. Um, okay. But when I hit that first internship, I was like, ah, I don't know. I just really like talking about my faith and, uh, and I want to be able to express that. And I just felt like I, I might not be able to do that to the extent that I would like that if I was in a public school setting. Um, again, I just really enjoyed, you know, teaching and communicating and, you know, pouring into kids, but I just didn't feel like that was the route for me. So the biggest difference there is that, um, I guess, focus, um, I wouldn't say I'm desperately passionate about teaching kids math, but I am passionate about teaching kids about the Bible, about God. Okay. I mean, that passion is really important because, you know, some things like math is like, even if you make it as exciting as possible, it's just math. Um, but, you know, God is almost like default exciting. Uh, well, and really important too. Uh, not that math isn't important. Math is very important <laughs> or uh, else we would not really have the benefits of modern society. But that is awesome to hear. Thank you for uh, sharing that additional insight because that's I see a lot of volunteers that work day-to-day in K-12 I'm volunteering in a ministry setting, but also people like switching kind of back and forth from the roles. So uh, being a helpful education oriented personality makes folks a natural fit for ministry. So I know uh, sharing your story will be probably definitely encouraging to people uh, considering making a career transition. Yeah, absolutely. Highly recommend going through education programs if you're going into ministry as well. 
Yeah. Awesome. Well, duly noted. So, uh, yeah. And then uh, kind of honing in on the thread of education, uh, but educating in a church context, the big paradigm shift recently was that uh, church, you know, much like a 12 education, a lot of the uh, teaching has been in a similar environment for a really long time, meeting in person, talking face to face with the kids, engaging in activities. But, you know, obviously COVID changed that in 2020. And now as we regather, uh, it's a mix of both. And as a ministry leader like yourself, especially being responsible for content in particular, uh, you are kind of overseeing, creating, engaging in-person and online experiences. So how do you manage that? Like, because that has to be a lot on your plate. How do you manage that? And uh, how do you ensure that you are creating those engaging experiences for both settings? Well, I have to say that everything is a learning curve, and I don't know if I've quite, if I'm being honest, gotten over that curve for that online platform yet. I know it's been a year plus, but we're still, just like in many other churches around the nation, just like trying to figure out what to do. And um, I was actually recently looking at an email that came through Orange about how to engage every parent everywhere, and there was something about that, and I was like, oh my goodness, I just don't know if Um, We are currently positioning ourselves in a way that we could engage parents and families that may never come back to our physical spaces. And so I know that wasn't super encouraging what I just said, but I can tell you the things that we are currently engaging in. And so I'm sure like many churches around the nation right now, um, if you're starting to come back in person, you're probably not seeing the numbers that you had pre-COVID. I know we're going through the same thing. We actually just stop doing ticketing for our family ministry environments and like limiting capacities and stuff like that. And our numbers did double from what they were with ticketing, but they're still like significantly less. And so we're trying to think through what, what are we doing currently that we can continue to engage those families that are coming in person, but also take a look back pre COVID. What were we not offering that we can now offer um, that might kind of bring in those families back or just to figure out what what wasn't so compelling that they haven't quite made the transition back or they haven't followed along with our online engagement as well. So it's, it's just really reevaluating and, and taking an honest look at what we have in the past provided, but also what we will continue to provide in the future. I will say that now that we have that lens, um, we can start thinking through any content that we're creating for the future of how can this work both in a platform that is in person, but also for a platform that is online, because that's the direction that we're going in. I mean, even just now we're having a a virtual like connection here, like this has now become our norm. So how can we keep what we're doing relevant and um, applicable to what's going around in the world around us currently? Yeah, I know that is really important. I was talking to one of our uh, partners yesterday, actually, from the Ridge Community Church in like Wisconsin. It's a totally different part of the country, but same situation. And he was mentioning how it's not necessarily like attendance isn't zero sum between online and in-person. Uh, like when you obviously saw transition from 100% in-person to 100% online. And now uh, he just noticed that his church, like, people are returning slowly to the normal uh, pre-COVID levels, but there's still a a big online presence. And I remember reading 
Uh, I saw like a meme on Facebook, pastors are saying, hey, how do we get more people into church? And it's like, what do you mean? We are eating Pop-Tarts in our pajamas and we can mute you. Like, this is great. <laughs> I'm not going back. So uh, I'm curious. So as from like a leadership standpoint, uh, how do you set goals there? Do you like say, hey, we want to maintain online attendance or like whole attendance? of like a sum of online and in-person people? Or do you kind of think, hey, we want to get more online people in person? Like what kind of met metric or North Star thing did you uh, set for those? Right. So I can say that as a church, we are a multi-site church. And so we have a lot of different in-person campuses, both permanent campuses and mobile campuses around the Raleigh-Durham, Chapel Hill Triangle. But we're also in, just because of, the dynamics of this world that we've lived in, in the past, we've started um, down the road of having a online campus and kind of fleshing out what that would look like from everyone, from you know our littlest of littles in, in Kid City all the way through to adults. Um, and mm -hmm. so when we're thinking through what it looks like for an online campus, specifically, what does it look like for an online children's ministry? How much of the things that we really value as a church can we echo on that platform. So that would be, we, we highly value small groups and we value consistency across that. So how can we create an environment will, where people will want to engage with that, kids will want to engage with that, and they're going to see the same programming that they might see great quality content. They're also going to have a person that knows them and connects with them every week. Like how can we transfer that? So it's, it's creating the space to do that. It's creating the vision to do that. And also like for my end, the content <laughs> to be able to do that. Uh, so right mm -hmm. now we're still in a kind of planning phase. Um, as I'm sure I'm not alone in this. It takes a massive amount of work. <laughs> and uh. You almost need a dedicated person to kind of oversee that. So we're kind of living in that tension now of not having a dedicated mm -hmm. person quite yet. So trying to meet in the middle there. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the online, I really like what you said about it being an actual campus, like making a decision that this is a campus. It's not a recording of a service we're posting on Facebook and YouTube. Like this is an actual campus. We're going to dedicate programming and resources and people to uh, work on this and give the best experience because that does express your values as a church. And that's actually a, a good segue, Michelle, into kind of the next question. I was curious about, I was talking with uh, one of the kids pastors at New Life Church in Arkansas, he mentioned uh, that one of their core values is excellence, inspires people, and honors God. Uh, and so it's really important when you're taking initiative on things like an online campus or something to uh, keep those values in mind. So what are some of like the core values at Hope Community Church and principles that you all operate by? Great question. So our, I always get these confused, but I'm pretty sure it's the mission. It's the thing that you go out and do. Um, mm -hmm. But our mission statement is to love people where they are and encourage them to grow in their relationship with Jesus. And a lot of things can fall under the umbrella of that. And our children's ministry mission is the exact same, except we say love kids where they are and encourage them to grow in their relationship. So we filter everything through that lens. That includes volunteer onboarding, volunteer training, how we engage parents, how we engage kids, how we engage kids that aren't here yet. That's one of the things that we talk about 
a lot at Hope is that we exist for those who aren't here yet. And that's the idea that um, if we want to be a, a place where we are a presence in the community, we don't necessarily expect people to come to our physical campus um, or you know, eventually our, our online campus. Like we want to mm-hmm. go to them. We don't want to become a, a church or a ministry that's a come and see, we wanna go and tell. And so what are we doing that, um, that will support that and support community um, like growth and impact? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I love that notion of ministering to the people that aren't here yet. Uh, so could you kind of like pull on that thread of like, uh, what exactly, besides the fact that they haven't found you or maybe haven't found Jesus yet, like, uh, how would you categorize like the folks that haven't heard about or aren't here yet? And what are some strategies you kind of use to minister to those people? Absolutely. So I can give you an example of one way um, yeah. that we are currently doing it. We just recently took, um, we just like examined the demographics of the Raleigh-Durham Triangle. And we noticed that in Wake County, the county that the majority of our campuses are in, we noticed that there's a huge need between um, kids that are in the foster care system and the kids that haven't yet been placed in Mm. at home and so we have started Mm. something called fostering hope and we are connecting with community leaders we're connecting with people who used to be in the foster care system and um, we're trying to work with the community with wake county of how can we as the church be the hands and feet we see that there's a need if we're called to minister to orphans and widows like here is a tangible need that we can meet we have plenty of people in our community that we can either provide homes for these kids or we can provide a resource for families that are going through the fostering process. And so when we say that we exist for those who aren't here yet, that's one of the ways that we do it. We wanna make sure that if we see a need and we see that we can be a part of a solution, we want to go out and do that even if we don't get props as Hope Community Church, even if we can partner with other churches, that's actually something that we do a lot is we partner with other churches in the area. If we see that they're doing something mm-hmm. awesome, we're like, we wanna be a part of that. Or even a church that's not, a, or an organization that's not affiliated with the church. Like if we see those kind of things, we want to be there where our community is. Absolutely, that fostering hope program, that sounds outstanding. Uh, and, you know, I really like the idea of partnering with other folks. And I forget who said it, but there's a great quote, which is, you'll be amazed at what you can accomplish if you don't care who gets the credit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, just, you know, joining hands with everyone in the kingdom and community uh, mm-hmm. to foster hope is uh, excellent. And it is going to make a, like, life course altering impact in those uh, children's lives. So that is absolutely outstanding, Michelle, that you are all doing that. And it sounds like doing a great job at it. So uh, props to you for getting that initiative underway. And another good segue into another question I had, uh, which was kind of like, what are some of your short-term and long-term ministry goals for this year? For this year? Oh my goodness. For any time. Long-term is like years from now. Uh, So I, I guess... I I think I've already kind of answered the long-term of existing for those who aren't here yet. But if we take that um, into short-term goals and if we think specifically through Kid City, through our children's ministry, for us, that means that we need to make sure that 
what we're chasing after is that goal. We don't want to have any sort of distractions to pull us off in, in all these different directions. We want to be um, good stewards of our time and of our resources. And so from our end, specifically, our short-term goals are we want, really want to build a, so, a solid foundation in what we're chasing after. So that can be everything from what are our core values in Kid City and are we doing or are we actually doing the things that will align with those core values? So it's a lot of shoring up our training process, shoring up our uh, new staff onboarding process, um, mm -hmm. coming up with language that is easy, repeatable. We call it uh, the elevator talk. So like you ride an elevator with someone, it's like, awkward. Okay. oh man, I have like 30 seconds to talk to someone about my job. Like if we have 30 seconds to tell someone about what matters the most and what we're trying to accomplish in not only in Kid City, but our family ministry, like what would we say? And so working through those things in easy, repeatable language. So it's not just staff people that are saying it, it's the parents, it's the volunteers, and hopefully the kids as well. And I know that that sounds very vague, but our, our, it, it's just a really visiony way of saying that we're doing a lot of breath work right now, <laughs> uh, writing things down on paper. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that is uh, really important. I know and the elevator pitch, like making sure everyone in your church is on the same page about it is really important because it shows uh, the cohesiveness and connectedness of your team aligned on what that vision is. And you know, if the kids and parents are uh, picking up on it, that you are doing something right. I know uh, the Salesforce CEO, Mark Benioff, in one of his books wrote about how uh, the kind of evangelism and marketing of an organization is everyone's responsibility, uh, regardless of what your title is. Yeah. And so he always would get in the elevator at Salesforce and ask like everyone, hey, what Salesforce do? What Salesforce do? So just like something like that in your church, like those good questions, hey, making sure you're writing it down, speaking it, living it uh, is outstanding and some really important things. And it's uh, great to see you kind of check for that as you're like say hey are we actually living through our values of reaching those that aren't here yet and stuff uh, so that is outstanding and uh, something that is definitely moving your church and the church in general forward well but we're trying we're trying you can pray for us <laughs> we would love help and any sort of insight <laughs> from other churches because again many hands right isn't that what we said earlier Indeed, indeed. So that is uh, definitely something where it is important to keep in mind. So uh, yeah, it's been very insightful chatting today, Michelle. What other uh, ideas or advice would you want to share with other kids ministry leaders, whether they're in your shoes or just getting like starting out? Yeah, so I have been in, I've been at Hope for about five years. Um, prior to that, I was fresh out of seminary and I was a kids pastor at a church in Florida. And let me tell you, I was the rawest of the raw. I made so many mistakes. Like I like to joke, I slaughtered so many sacred cows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, um, but one of the things that was incredibly helpful for me as I was just trying to like get my feet underneath me in ministry in general was I had a couple people that really connected with me and said, Hey, I'm going to walk alongside you. And there was this particular one older um, woman in the church named Lynn. She was amazing. She was like, I'm going to meet with you every week. And if you want to talk about the challenges that you're going through, let's talk about it. If you want to talk about 
um, some of the hardships or or the wins or whatever happens to be anything you want to process through. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to pray with you through it. That was amazing. Another thing is that I actually had um, another kids pastor in the area. He's like, hey, I get to lunch uh, with a bunch of other kids pastors in the area once a month. And we just kind of hang out and get Mm -hmm. to know each other. And I can say as someone who was like brand new to the area, brand new to ministry, having that time and connecting with other people um, in other churches and other, maybe even um, just demographics, like that was so helpful for me to kind of get outside of my bubble and just to see things from a different perspective and to be able to ask someone that had been in it, you know, longer than the year that I had been in, uh, like, what would you do in this particular situation? And just to pick their brain. So as um, you are, my encouragement would be if you are fresh in the ministry, or even if you've been in the ministry for a while, to find ways that you can connect with um, other people around you. Um, I don't know kind of what the audience is here. But uh, for me, what has been very helpful is uh, like different Facebook groups. And there's one uh, there's like a the orange Facebook group, like partner groups, 252 kids, they post so many ideas. And it's full of people from all over the nation, all over the world. They're like, hey, we're doing this thing together. Like, what would you guys do in this situation? And I can tell you, I could spend hours reading all of the questions, all of the comments, and I learn so much. So that would be my biggest takeaway is get connected as much as you can get outside of your little bubble. That's the way you're going to grow. That is awesome. One, the idea of like having a mentor, like you mentioned, kind of Lynn was to you, but also connecting with all sorts of people from different backgrounds, different areas, uh, you know, for advice, because that is awesome to get kind of a, a fresh perspective on some of the same challenges you're facing. So, yeah, well, that is uh, definitely some important advice that and Facebook groups are a great avenue, like the orange one, lots of cool stuff in there. Uh, and it's just great because there's so many of them. You can connect with so many uh, other leaders. It's outstanding in TC. And uh, yeah, couldn't agree more there, Michelle. Well, great. <laughs> awesome. Well, that about wraps it up. That's all the questions I could think of today. You've been great to chat with Michelle. It sounds like some outstanding things are happening at Hope Community Church, especially with the Fostering Hope Initiative. Mm-hmm. So uh, when we start traveling again for COVID, I'll be sure to stop by for a service next time we're on the North yes, Carolina definitely area. definitely do. <laughs> uh, check it all out. But that is outstanding. Thank you so much for joining us again, Michelle. And I look forward to staying in touch. Yeah, my pleasure. Absolutely. Well, thanks, Michelle, and have a spectacular rest of your week. All right, you as well. Bye. Bye. Bye.